Hi there, bad coming back. You hear that little chirping noise? That's a new baby. My first baby. My incubator. New mom. I'm a new mom. I wanna raise. I am Samani's. Ouch. Trump lawyer flops. On MSNBC. Celebrities don't cut carbs. That ain't how you lose weight. I don't do that. None of my clients do that. Nobody that has ever asked me how to lose weight have I ever told them to do that because it simply just doesn't work. For anyone who doesn't... Same level of passion. But you're not the judge or the jury in this case. You're the mm. lawyer. We're talking to you not for your conclusions without evidence, but for the evidence you can marshal right now. I'm giving you the time. If you can't do it tonight, if you can't give us any arguments, then we will note that. But post-December 14th, He's on tape doing it. We have a new call we learned about in the last week demanding it. How is that not soliciting or conspiring fraud? That our client has not violated any of those. We're not going to look at it two-dimensionally. We're going to look at it three-dimensionally. Full disclosure, I'm no lawyer, right? But I would think when somebody says they're looking at something three-dimensionally as part of their argument, mm, I think they've already lost. And, do you, and, do you and, ignore and already, the Donald exactly, Trump loss? Exactly, but that's what I stay focused on. Do you ignore the Donald Trump loss to Georgia me? election? I, I'm, I am that's a good. That's an easy one. Do you acknowledge that? It seems like it's a weekly occurrence that Ari Melbar brings on a member of Trump's legal team to either humiliate them or simply offer them the platform to humiliate themselves. If all of what you say is true, it is. then why was Trump hiding it and lying about it at the time? And I'll play that for your response. Mm -hmm. He lied about it. We all know that. Take a look. Take a look. Let's see. what you're going to consider a lie. A lie to me is something material under oath in a proceeding. Well, I didn't say not, perjury. I said a lie. Not, yeah, but that's not a lie. That's co- that's not a lie? No, here's why it's not a lie. That's not a lie? Here's why it's not a lie. Could you did you know about this? Did you did you know about this? No, I don't. Know. We don't need that. So this time around, Melbourne had on Drew Feindling, someone who had trouble finding a way to answer his simple questions. I'm here all week. Same level of passion. But you're not the judge or the jury in this case. You're the lawyer. We're talking to you not for your conclusions without evidence, but for the evidence you can marshal right now. I'm giving you the time. If you can't do it tonight, if you can't give us any arguments, then we will note that. But let me put up on the screen again for your rebuttal, if you want to take this time, uh, election fraud in Georgia. If you request or attempt to cause another person to engage in voter fraud, that's criminal solicitation. If you conspire or agree with another to commit a violation, that is another Georgia statute. Those are both felonies. Those are just two, and there are, as you know, others. Donald Trump, post-December 14th, I'll give you the widest possible birth, that before it's certified, there are arguments that could be theoretically made about alternate electors. But post-December 14th, he's on tape doing it. We have a new call we learned about in the last week demanding it. How is that not soliciting or conspiring fraud yeah so so Ari I'm familiar my team is familiar with all those statutes and while I'm looking at this you know camera I could tell you we're incredibly familiar with those statutes Mm -hmm. they aren't new to us we do a lot of political cases sure we are absolutely confident having looked at the evidence 
that our client has not violated any of those. We're not going to look at it two-dimensionally. We're going to look at it three-dimensionally. What did he mean when he done, said fine? And he's completely innocent. But what did he mean when he said fine votes that don't well, exist after certification? What could that possibly mean other than fine votes that don't exist? Well, <laughs> I, will, I will say this, and that is that, again, okay, looking at the entire 62 minutes, putting it all in context, mm -hmm. there was nothing illegal said by our client, nothing. And so anybody that wants to listen to 62 minutes will know that that was a perfectly legal phone call. And if that wasn't bad enough, it became even more apparent that Trump's lawyer is exactly the type of guy you'd expect to represent someone who stares into the sun during a solar eclipse after just being told not to. When Melba simply asked him to acknowledge that Donald Trump lost the election in Georgia. And, do you, do and, you acknowledge that Donald exactly, Trump lost? Exactly, but that's what I stay focused on. Do you acknowledge that Donald Trump lost the Georgia me? election? I, I'm, I am that's a good. That's an easy one. Do you acknowledge that, attorney? Drew? No. No, I, I'm focused. Let me tell you what I'm focused on. I'm focused on being a criminal defense attorney and seeing yep. that my client is being swept up in what has, to me, been a ridiculous circus atmosphere, special purpose grand jury. No, and you, and you an made impact, that point. But not only but, in this but, case, not only in this case, but on other cases. You That's made that point, focus, but do you, do you acknowledge I'm not going to sit there. Do you acknowledge that he lost to other political people? Why don't even why would we even talk about that? What does that have to do? What does it have to do with me defending President Trump in this matter? It has well, zero to do with it. I appreciate it. You've raised a rhetorical question. What does that have to do? Let's listen to Donald Trump lying to people, some of whom later committed crimes, some of whom other Republicans committed the, the potential crime of misleading the government about who were the duly stated electors of Georgia, which, of course, the current president, President Biden, won. Here's Donald Trump talking about Georgia. Take a listen. You know, we won Georgia, just so you understand. They cheated and they rigged our presidential election, but we will still win it. That was December 2020. That was a lie. And it was in concert with these other things, a lie that induced these people to submit this elector fraud, which may or may not be charged, and which as of January 6th, they were trying to bring some of that in different states, not Georgia, by the way, to the floor of the Senate that was been uncovered. So again, I, I and at this point, I'm just wondering why Trump's attorneys continue to go on his show. Is it a glutton for punishment thing or did they really leave thinking that went well? Here's what, why it's not a lie. Yeah because it was a confidential settlement. So if he acknowledged that, he would be violating the confidential settlement. So is it the truth? Of course it's not the truth. Was he supposed to tell the truth? He would be in violation of the agreement if he told the truth. So by him doing that, you by wanna, him doing that, he, he was abiding by not only his rights, but Stormy Daniels' rights. Wanna, it seems so, like we're drawing so, some blood here because you're having a strong reaction. He did lie about it, and in a confidential settlement, you can easily say, no comment, or I'm not getting into it. it he fight, says, fight. and the reason why I look at this, he says, no, no, I didn't know about it. But he did know about it, didn't he? You know, but here's the thing. Lock him up. Indictment season is upon us. Celebrate with the new indictment season t-shirt and v-neck exclusively at store.midastouch.com. Don't buy solar panels. Seriously. There is a very this motherfucker still running free. Watching a legal breakdown. So, Glenn, we've got some news out of Manhattan. Now, in the Manhattan Republicans case, accidentally screw themselves trying to save Trump. Hour day now. 
House Republicans, including Jim Jordan, are now demanding testimony from members of the Manhattan District Attorney's Office to answer for their apparent sin of investigating Donald Trump. Is this legal? Brian, at a minimum, it's enough to open a criminal investigation. I don't say that lightly or recklessly or cavalierly, because what Kevin McCarthy has done in instructing all House committees available to, you know, march to the assistance of Donald Trump and try to put a stop to Alvin Bragg's prosecution of Donald Trump. Um, and we've seen a letter issue from uh, the chairman of, I think, three committees, Jim Jordan, James Comer, and Brian Steele, basically saying to Alvin Bragg, we've got a real problem with you prosecuting or threatening to prosecute a former president of the United States. Here's the thing, Brian, the Congress doesn't have any jurisdiction to interfere in state criminal investigations or prosecutions. This really has the feel of members of Congress trying to investigate the investigators. Remember when uh, that didn't turn out so well when Donald Trump and Bill Barr tried to do it and they set special counsel John Durham on investigating the people who investigated Donald Trump's crimes. And of course, you know, the Durham probe fell flat and basically ended in shame and disgrace yeah. because they couldn't win any cases. This is now members of Congress stepping out of their role as lawmakers and trying to interfere. And I use that word advisedly, interfere in a state criminal investigation and prosecution of their political deity, Donald Trump. That is a little thing I would call obstruction of justice. And based on even what's been publicly reported, it looks to me like there's what we call adequate predication, a fancy term for enough evidence to open a criminal probe of McCarthy, Jordan, Homer, and anybody else who is involved in what looks to be some illegal conduct. And uh, of course, the irony in all of this being that these are the people running a subcommittee on the weaponization of government. <laughs> like it is it is always just as clear projection as you could possibly find. Glenn, I want to I want to ask you a question about that specifically. You know, is the, is it not playing with fire to traffic in openly illegal activity and obstructing justice against the literal district attorney's office? It's like running a carjacking operation right outside of the police station, is it not? Yeah, it, it is. And, you know, the, the next thing that should happen is, frankly, Alvin Bragg, district attorney in New York, who's on the, the verge of indicting Donald Trump for his crimes, he needs to investigate, launch an investigation into Kevin McCarthy, Jim Jordan, Comer, and others for literally criminally interfering in his investigation and prosecution of Donald Trump. I know it's contorted, and there's investigation on top of investigation. But this is too important not to be done. If you can have members of Congress say, for political reasons, we don't like who state district attorneys are prosecuting for crimes in their jurisdiction, crimes in their states. If you let you know the McCarthy and the Jordans of the world get away with this, you give them an inch, Man, they're going to take mile after mile after mile. So this has to be wrestled to the ground. Well, Glenn, realistically speaking, if it took this long to hold Trump to account or even to, to almost hold Trump to account, 
considering we're waiting on this uh, this indictment to drop, is it still not exceedingly unlikely that we would see justice against people like Kevin McCarthy and Jim Jordan for just being like accessories to this existing crime? I mean, is it exceedingly unlikely that Kevin McCarthy and Jim Jordan will be held accountable for what appear to be crimes? It's pretty unlikely, right? If history teaches us anything. And that really is the problem with failing to hold what I call the ruling class criminals accountable. There is no deterrence. Just like if you don't hold Donald Trump accountable, well, then the next president who happens to be an aspiring dictator will get to do everything Donald Trump just just did with impunity, right? The next president can leverage congressional funds to bribe and extort world leaders to announce you know, false investigations about their political opponents. And the next wannabe dictator can incite an insurrection with impunity if Donald Trump isn't held accountable for these things. The same holds true of members of Congress. Remember, six, I believe, members of Congress asked for pardons because they knew they'd committed crimes on and around January 6th, and they wanted desperately to get away with those crimes. And they thought the best shot I have is getting a presidential pardon. These things, Brian, have gone unaddressed. And because they've gone unaddressed, you know, it lands us where we are today with McCarthy, Jordan and others acting lawlessly. And to your point, I mean, we've seen because Trump's actions on January 6th effectively went unaddressed, uh, we saw uh, Jair Bolsonaro do the exact same thing in Brazil, where he tried to, you know, incite his insurrection there. We saw Donald Trump right now at this very moment trying to incite his mob to come and protest uh, in New York against his impending indictment uh, in Manhattan. So to your exact point, this happens over and over again. And it's owed to the fact that when you don't prosecute these people for their illegal activity, it just emboldens them to do it all the more. Um, Glenn, I, I want to switch gears here to another uh, jurisdiction where Trump is awaiting uh, imminent indictment, and that is Georgia. So it seems that Trump's lawyers pulled out one last-ditch effort to try and save him from, from that impending indictment, and his lawyers asked to quash an Atlanta special grand jury probe investigating his efforts to overturn the election. Now, we are days, weeks, hours away from uh, an indictment there. What is this, and will it work? It will not work. So Donald Trump's recent defense team um, filed what's called a motion to quash. What is a motion to quash? It's basically a motion to kill something, to stop something, to have a judge say, no, the prosecution can't do that. Let me tell you, most frequently we see motions to quash filed when the prosecution has issued a subpoena and the recipient of that subpoena believes it's an illegal subpoena. The person can then have their loyal lawyer file a motion to quash the subpoena, seeking to have the judge rule that, you know what, the prosecutors had no lawful right, no lawful authority to issue that subpoena, so I'm quashing it. I'm ruling it's invalid. But Brian, there really is no such thing as a motion to quash a grand jury report that has already been issued and now Fawny Willis had, has shifted back and is in the regular grand jury asking that grand jury to indict folk for their crimes in Georgia. There really is no motion to quash that can be applied to those circumstances. This is like 
a last ditch effort that is probably more, you know, for public relations purposes, like fighting the battle in the court of public opinion than actually fighting a legitimate legal bag battle in a court of law. So no, this will not work. And as you say, we are still awaiting Fawny Willis's indictments. Okay, so just a quick aside on that point exactly. Could Trump's lawyers who continue to abuse the system like this, could they be subjected to sanctions uh, given the fact that what they're doing is not serious, these are efforts to just delay his impending indictment, there, there's no precedent for anything he's doing, and they're, and they're not actually going to lead to anything? What would you do if you knew a heart attack was coming? Joe Barton here, and if you're over 40, check your chest for these two heart attack indictment, there, there's no precedent for anything he's doing, and they're, and they're not actually going to lead to anything? You know, um, there could be sanctions involved. Of course, other Trump lawyers have been sanctioned. Some have been fined. I think I guess what's, what's the line between abusing the system and using all of the levers that the system has available to you? You know, we've seen that line crossed before, right? We saw 60 or 65 frivolous suits brought attacking the election results. And in the aftermath of that, some of Trump law Trump's lawyers have been sanctioned. We've also seen them um, fined, I think, upwards of a million dollars for filing, you know, baseless lawsuits. So, but here's the thing, Brian, when it comes to a special grand jury report recommending that a former president be indicted, which is what we suspect we will learn very soon, um, you know, it's a pretty unprecedented circumstance. So I could see a lawyer for Trump, a defense attorney saying, well, that's unprecedented. So I'm going to file what is also admittedly an unprecedented motion, a motion to quash the grand jury report. And I don't think a, a defense attorney would be penalized or sanctioned for that because we are in the land of the unprecedented at the moment. But, you know, the devil's in the details. And if there is, there are successive, frivolous, baseless, dilatory challenges and motions filed, that's when I think you're going to see perhaps more sanctions and more fines. And one final point on this Georgia case. Now, Phony Willis has said that her decision on whether or not she's going to indict is imminent. We've spoken about this on previous episodes, but for those just tuning in right now, um, first off, subscribe so that you don't miss uh, previous episodes. But second, why would a prosecutor like Phony Willis say that her decision is imminent publicly if it isn't? Because you know, that that ship has sailed by now. That's it's been over a month since she said that. Like, what could have been District Attorney Willis's actual intent by putting that into the public sphere? That's a great question. And I'm glad we're taking it on, because when Fawny Willis said that her her, quote, charging decisions are imminent, that's very different from Fawny Willis saying the indictments are imminent. Right. And I think the way it landed with us, it landed with me, is, oh, that means she's about ready to indict. Well, not necessarily. Here's why she may have, you know, um, carefully chosen her words that her charging decisions were imminent. We learned from some of the grand jurors who have given interviews that they're looking to, they recommended that upwards of a dozen or more people be indicted. One of the grand jurors recently said, it's going to be massive. It's going to be massive. The grand jurors said it twice. So I'm going to go out on a limb and say it's going to be massive. So when Fawny Willis announces 
my charging decisions are imminent. What is she doing? She's sending a signal, a very clear, very ominous signal to the dozen or more people who know that they are on the verge of being indicted, that I better get to Fawny Willis before my name ends up as a marquee defendant on a big old conspiracy indictment. So she may have been announcing that not for the public's benefit, but for the benefit of squeezing the people that she's about to indict, giving them one last opportunity to come on board as cooperating witnesses. Now, I, I do think we're growing antsy and, you know, it may be another few weeks, who knows, before we actually see the indictments. But, you know, I really do think she was doing that for tactical advantage, not for public relations advantage. So, Brian, let me ask you, because when I saw that Kevin McCarthy and these congressional committees are, in a very real sense, obstructing a state, a New York state court prosecution of Donald Trump, I think of the legal implications and consequences. But, you know, you're the political expert, not me. What do you see as the political implications and consequences of this kind of gross abuse of power by members of Congress? I think there isn't a planet on which this redounds to their benefit. Now, they they may think that it will because they're in this bubble of, you know, these other far right extremists. But if the American people sent any message over the last several election cycles from 2018 to 2020 to 2022, it's that they are not on board with the extremism, the lawlessness, the self-dealing, everything that Trump traffics in. And yet by virtue of these Republicans, all the way up to the leadership of that party, still throwing everything by the wayside and putting all of the resources behind Donald Trump, it just shows that that's all you're going to get. They might claim that they've changed, that everything's going to be different now. They're going to focus on inflation and gas prices and all of these things to help the American people. It's all bullshit. The only thing that these people are interested in is helping Donald Trump and putting all of their resources toward helping Donald Trump. For lack of a better term, it is a cult of personality. So I think that all these people have shown uh, just by virtue of, again, moving toward helping Donald Trump at the at the expense of everything else, at the expense of any other semblance of governing. It's just showing Americans that, you know, the same reason why they voted against Republicans in the last three uh, election cycles, <laughs> here's another reason to do it again. And so I think, you know, they might they might want to constantly um, kowtow to their base because those are the people, th those are the gatekeepers in terms of letting these Republican politicians actually in. You got to got to get through the base if you want to if you want to have a chance at winning the general election, getting into Congress. But besides that, I mean, there is there is just no world in which this Republican Party stands for anything other than its fealty to Donald Trump. Yeah, it, it feels like insanity that they just keep doubling down on a losing horse. Yeah. And, and, and that's the ironic thing about all of this is that these elections, when you lose an election, it's a great opportunity. You know, of course, it's, it's bad news for you, but it's a great opportunity to retool, figure out what went wrong in the last election and fix it for the next election moving forward. Uh, and we see these giant cyclical swings where one party's in power and then the other takes power from them. And, and it's because they've allowed themselves to adapt to what didn't work in the previous election cycle by virtue of burying their heads in the sand and pretending constantly over and over and over again that they're winning elections that they're very clearly losing. They're just depriving themselves of the ability to hone their message differently, to reach those people who they've lost. And, uh, you know, that's look. As long as they want to do it, I'm not going to stand in their way. But it really is just like you said. I mean, it is the definition of in insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. 
So with that said, uh, we'll continue to keep on top of all of this legal news. Again, for those watching, if you want to keep on top of this stuff with us, make sure to subscribe to both of our channels. The links are right here on the screen. I'm Brian Teller Cohen. And I'm Glenn Kirshner. You're watching The Legal Breakdown. Do this weird six seconds technique to restore perfect eyesight from the comfort of home. Scientists from Harvard Stem Cell Institute recently proved that vision problem has absolutely nothing to do with genes, age, or the amount of screen time. After using the most potent atomic microscope in the world, these scientists discovered that all vision problems actually stem from one root cause. And it is not a normal part of aging, despite that being the belief in the industry for several decades. These studies showed that glasses, lenses, and surgery are only temporary band-aids instead of solving the real issue at the core of vision problems, especially for those over the age of 50. And that's because they don't do a single thing to improve the way your eyes work as you age. Most importantly, they revealed how to restore crystal clear eyesight just by following a clinically proven 6 second bedtime technique. This revolutionary technique is so amazing. Over 41,232 people are already doing it and giving up their glasses in just weeks, regardless of their age or how impaired their vision is. It's so powerful because it targets the single root cause of vision problems. So I urge you, tap the watch now button below to watch a short yet eye-opening video that explains exactly how to use this weird technique to restore perfect eyesight. Remember, this has nothing to do with meds, surgery, or expensive treatments. When you make it part of your routine, you will notice immediate changes such as improved nightlight sensitivity and more muscular eye cells. That means you can drive at night worry-free and stare at the computer all day long without tiring your eyes. This is your chance to join thousands of people who have now changed their vision and lives for the better. It has worked so incredibly well that the eye care industry executives are scrambling to keep this breakthrough hidden to protect their obscene profits. Tap the blue watch now button below before it's too late, and see exactly how you can use this technique at home, right now. Here are the top three dirty self-defense moves. Number one, throwing dirt in your attacker's eyes. Throwing an object at your attacker's eyes is a very underrated self-defense move. You can do this with dirt, a drink, or any other small object you're holding in your hands. It's effective because it's a move your attacker will not expect, so it'll take him by surprise. Anyone can do it regardless of age, athletic ability, or training. And once your attacker is blinded by having something thrown in his eyes, it'll make it easy to land your finishing strikes. I'll show you the best way to finish a blinded attacker in just a minute. My name, by the way, is Jason Hansen. I'm a former CIA officer, and I've trained thousands of people over the years in self-defense. So let's get to number two right now. Number two is a kick to the groin. Groin kicks are not practiced in most martial arts because they're considered dirty and unsportsmanlike. But if you're being attacked by a violent thug and your life is on the line, you absolutely need to have groin strikes in your self-defense arsenal. 
Most people know that growing strikes are incredibly painful, but most people don't know the correct way to strike the growing so that you strike accurately with fight ending damage. And I'll teach you how to perform a proper growing strike later in this video. Number three, learn the rat technique. The rat technique is the self-defense move that's taught to the Navy SEALs in their hand-to-hand -hand combatives training. It's used by the SEALs on the battlefield because it's the ultimate self-defense move. The rat technique is a vicious, dirty, ruthless attack. In fact, it's much more brutal and damaging than throwing dirt in your opponent's eyes. It's even more damaging than a hard strike to the groin. The rat causes devastating damage because it's a combination of three dirty, brutal self-defense moves. When you perform all three parts of the maneuver correctly, it's virtually impossible for even trained martial artists to defend against. And it's not just the Navy SEALs who have used the rat successfully. There are many documented incidents of civilians using the rat technique to defeat attacks by criminals. Elderly men have used the rat to beat off bigger, stronger, and younger attackers. Women have used the rat to defeat large male attackers. And one man even used the rat to beat off a group of armed thugs that was attacking him during a road rage incident. The rat technique can be learned in minutes without requiring extensive drilling or years upon years of martial arts training. And once you know the rat, you'll have the confidence that comes with knowing that you can defeat almost any criminal with your bare hands. And I've got some great news for you. The rat technique is no longer just for the Navy SEALs. Paul Lunak, the SEALs hand-to-hand -hand combatives instructor who created the rat, just released a new book which reveals the full technique. It's called The Rat Fight and I'm holding it in my hand as you can see here. This book normally sells for $29.95, but today we want to give you a free copy of Rap Fight to thank you for being a part of the spy briefing community. Click Claim Book now to get your free copy of Rap Fight rushed out to you immediately. Once you get your copy of Rap Fight, skip straight to Chapter 3, because that's where Paul reveals how to perform the full rat technique. You'll be able to learn the technique in minutes, and you'll be prepared to defend yourself and your family from violent criminals. And once you've learned the rat, Read the rest of the book to take your self-defense skills to the next level. You'll learn how to properly strike the growing, the most effective ways to blind and eye gouge an opponent, how to defend yourself from armed attackers, and much, much more. Listen, the truth is, I'm reaching into my own wallet and buying your copy of Rap Fight for you. I'm spending my own money to get this book into patriotic American hands like yours because I know that this book could literally save your life. We're going through a historically unprecedented crime wave here in America. Everyone sees the stories about violent crime on the news, but nobody thinks that they might be the next victim. But the reality is we all need to be prepared to defend ourselves from criminals in these dangerous times that we live in. And today, you have the opportunity to protect yourself and your family for free. You can get your copy of Rap Fight and you can learn the technique in just a few days. And once you do, you'll have the confidence that comes with knowing that you can defeat virtually any criminal who might try to attack you on the streets. Click Claim Book right now to get your free copy of Rap Fight rushed out to you today. Life can feel so ordinary. It is therefore only logical to leave room for adventure. We need you, Commander. Log in and go boldly. The final frontier is yours.
Star Trek Fleet Command. Download now. We're watching the legal breakdown. So, Glenn, we have a pretty big update for today as we're all waiting on this impending indictment in Manhattan. The grand jury was called off for today, Wednesday. So what are the possibilities in terms of when they'll hold the indictment vote? You know, so there are several possibilities. So it, I think it's important to, to know that just because the grand jury votes to indict on a particular day, um, it is very unlikely that the, the indictment would be unsealed and an arrest would be made the same day. Because here's how it ordinarily works. We go into the grand jury at the end of an investigation. We say, folks, we think the evidence supports you voting on these five charges. For example, the grand jury will vote. If they vote to indict, that remains sealed because the next thing we have to do is we have to go to the judge. We have to get an arrest warrant for the person who has just been indicted by the grand jury. And then we have to go about arresting the person before he or she ever gets wind that there's been an indictment. So if an indictment was handed down on Wednesday, you might not see an arrest until the following week when all of the pieces could be put in place. Now, there is some back and forth about whether Donald Trump will or will not be arrested. I think the smart money is riding on a voluntary surrender. In white collar cases, when we don't think the person who has been indicted is a flight risk or a danger to the community, we can put a pin in flight risk, certainly. But what we will ordinarily do is call up the defense attorneys for the target of the investigation, the person who has just been indicted, and say, you know, we want you to turn yourself into FBI headquarters or to the local police department, depending on the jurisdiction, at 9 a.m. on Monday, you will be booked and you will then be walked into court and arraigned on the indictment. Okay. Now, because this is such a high profile case, what are you reading from the tea leaves in terms of what you believe has happened so far? Do you believe it's possible that they could have already voted uh, on indictment and that that just hasn't been unsealed yet? Possible, but not likely. And here's why I say that. A rebuttal witness, um, Bob Costello, a mouthpiece, a surrogate for Donald Trump, was put before the grand jury because in New York, um, a defendant who's about to be indicted can offer up a witness to try to go into the grand jury and exonerate him or talk the grand jury out of indicting him. And Donald Trump put up this guy, Robert Costello. I think that was a tactical blunder. But, but Costello testified on Monday, which was the last time the grand jury sat. They were scheduled to sit today, but they're, they're not sitting today for some reason. So I think it's very unlikely, Brian, that Costello would have testified on Monday afternoon. And the next thing the prosecutors would have done is ask the grand jury to vote out an indictment. So I suspect the grand jury has not yet voted, but they could have voted on Monday. And then the DA's office could be going through the process we just described, figuring out when they want to unseal the indictment and when they want to have Donald Trump voluntarily turn himself in. Okay, so with that said, let's game this out and say that the grand jury does vote to indict and they do move forward with unsealing it and uh, and it's time to to basically arrest Donald Trump. What's the tick-tock of what happens next to Trump in the minutes and hours following? Yeah, so once the grand jury votes to indict him, so between that time and the time he actually walks into court to be arraigned on the indictment, which just means reading him the indictment so he has notice of the charges against which he has to defend. 
there are a few things that will go on. First of all, president or no president, former president or no former president, he will be booked. What does booking look like? Well, before you go to court, you go into a police station and the police fill out a whole bunch of paperwork. They get all sorts of background, biographical address information about you, and then they will fingerprint you and then they will take mug shots. They will take arrest photos. So Donald Trump may succeed in avoiding a perp walk, but we will see mug shots of a former president of the United States. And let me back up to the perp walk because we've heard some reporting, you know, Donald Trump being all full of bravado, one of the things he's full of, saying, I want a perp walk because, you know, I'm going to use that basically as a fundraising vehicle. If they can do it to me, they can do it to you. Um, I think it's unlikely that there will be a perp walk. And even more importantly, when I hear people talk incessantly, Brian, about, well, if Donald Trump's indicted, this is going to help him with his base. It's going to help his poll numbers. It's going to help him politically. Conversely, some people say it's going to hurt him politically. I will tell you, as a career prosecutor, I would tune all of that out because I would never make a charging decision or an indictment decision based on those sorts of collateral consequences. Every time I decided to indict somebody, I knew I would likely make a batch of people happy and a batch of people unhappy, yeah. regardless of whether I decided to indict or decline to indict. But those were never considerations. It was about the facts and the law, regardless of the status of the person or the collateral consequences of an indictment. Now, just to be clear, confirming that if he does take a mugshot, that will be public? It will typically mugshots are released by the police. So strictly speaking, a mugshot is not a public record. But I think we have seen historically that mugshots get released you know, by police departments all the time. Now, we spoke previously about when we can expect an actual trial. You'd mentioned sometime between six months and a year from now. But will Trump need to be present in all of the pretrial uh, occurrences that happen? Yeah, great question. So in civil proceedings like, you know, Donald Trump is always being sued by somebody or another. Ordinarily, um, the respondent in a civil suit, that is the defendant, is not generally required to attend every court proceeding. Um, and often the defense attorneys in a civil suit will just waive their client's presence. Not so in a criminal case. In a criminal case, you basically have to be present for every single court proceeding. And interestingly, you generally have to be actually present, not virtually present. Now, a defense team can try to waive their client's appearance, but most judges in a criminal case um, are, are pretty disapproving of that. Because if you're facing the possibility of being incarcerated at the end of this process, you know, judges are determined that you are fully informed, indeed present, at every single court hearing in your case. Now, will those instances, those pretrial uh, courtroom appearances, will they be public? Public, yes, that you, you have to. The Constitution provides for public trials, okay. and 
Judges aren't permitted to close courtrooms except for national security matters. Rarely do they do that. Um, but I don't believe cameras are in the courtrooms in New York. So I don't think we will see a televised trial unless they decide that the public interest is so important that they want to allow this trial to be um, pu publicly televised. Got it. Glenn, will you be in that courtroom? I will. Here, here's what I will. I will be in the courtroom when and if I'm going to go with when Donald Trump is indicted federally for either the documents crimes or the, the insurrection, because that will be in my backyard here in Washington, D.C., in a courthouse in which I tried lots of cases. So I'll be present for that. I doubt I'm going to head up to Manhattan to be to to try to get into a courtroom that is likely going to be overflowing. Just like on the logistics of that, how are you going to get in? Because I would imagine that would be a pretty hot ticket. Like, or it, is it basically because you've been able to try cases there that it'll be easier for you to get into that courtroom? I wouldn't say I, I am prepared to call in any and all favors I might have, but having tried multiple RICO cases in that very courthouse and pretty much knowing most of the folks who work there, I will try to arrange to be, you know, first in line to yep. make sure I get a seat in the courtroom. Now, here's a question I'm getting a lot. Will this indictment in Manhattan be any impediment to Donald Trump running for office? Sadly, no. It won't be any legal impediment. It might be a practical impediment, right? Not a good look if you're running for president and you're also pending a criminal trial that could yeah. send you to prison. But I think Donald Trump has already announced, now rarely do I take him at his word, but he's already announced, you know what, indictment or no indictment, I am not dropping out. And I'm, I'm here for it. You know what? Let him run as an indicted defendant pending prison. I don't think that will increase his odds of getting elected. Well, with that said, what about the other cases that he's that he's at uh, at risk of being indicted for, including Fulton County, Georgia, including the Eugene Carroll defamation case, including uh, the classified documents case, the January 6th case? Yeah, none of it will be a legal impediment to him running for office. The only thing that would be a legal impediment is if he is convicted of a federal charge that carries with it the possible sentence of a prohibition from holding federal office in the future. That's the only way he would legally be prohibited, not necessarily um, from running for federal office, but holding federal office. Could that be one of the conditions uh, set forth, you know, uh, in terms of like a, a guilty plea or some or some plea deal overall like could could a condition be set where he's barred from holding running for federal office and that would preclude him from serving prison time for example you know that's a great question there's lots of leeway that prosecutors and defense teams have in negotiating terms of a plea agreement or let me add a non-pros agreement an agreement not to prosecute somebody if he or she agrees to a set of conditions. Usually those conditions, Brian, involve, you know, you have to stay out of trouble, you have to avoid all re-arrests, and, uh, and if you do, the prosecutors may sort of decline to ever charge you for a particular crime. Um, but of course, those agreements are only as good as the people who enter into them. So the prosecution could say, look, um, if you agree never to run for office, we will agree never to prosecute you. And then Donald Trump could later throw his hat in the ring. Of course, that would revive the prosecution's ability to prosecute him. But if it's a few years down the road, memories might have faded, evidence might have gone missing, and it might be more difficult to prosecute him. So I, I actually hope we don't see some kind of a, 
creative disposition of Donald Trump's cases like that. Got it. Okay. Well, with that said, things are moving very fast in this case with this impending indictment. So if you want to keep up on everything that's happening, make sure to follow both of our channels. The links are right here on the screen. I'm Brian Tyler Cohen. And I'm Glenn Kirshner. You're watching The Legal Breakdown. by far one of the best bang for your buck performance gaming monitors on the market right now. This is the Canvas 27Q monitor. The specs in this thing are absolutely insane. With a 165 hertz refresh rate and one millisecond response time. Make sure to check it out at nzxt.com. Special counsel Jack Smith subpoenaed both Ivanka Trump and Jared Kushner in connection with the Special Counsel's criminal investigation into Donald Trump's 2020 election interference. Fox and MAGA Republican leader Marjorie Taylor Greene combining forces, teaming up to promote Marjorie Taylor Greene's treasonous campaign for a national divorce or secession by red states. This, folks, is the state of the Republican Party in 2023. Meanwhile, a federal judge in Washington, D.C. compelled Donald Trump to sit for a two-hour deposition in Peter Strzok's wrongful termination lawsuit that was filed against Bill Barr and the FBI back in 2019. The Fulton County Special Grand Jury Leader, also known as a forewoman, went on a media tour. Her appearances were questionable to say the least, but I don't believe from my legal perspective will materially impact anything there. But we did learn that Mark Meadows invoked his Fifth Amendment right against self-incrimination, <laughs> which may be the approach he takes with special counsel Jack Smith. But one of the things I want to emphasize there when we talk about it, though, is just how careful Jack Smith has been and why it's so important. Jack, the MAGA Republicans who are responsible for the train derailment and burning of the toxic substances from the train in East Palestine, Ohio, turned their disinformation machine into overdrive this week to try and blame their conduct, which, let's be very clear, it was their conduct which caused what took place to happen on Pete Buttigieg and Biden and the Democrats. So, the MAGA Republicans are the arsonists who set the fire, who then burn down the fire department. They terminate the employment of all of the firefighters, and they turn off the water to help corporations. And then they just show up, start throwing hamburgers at people, and here's 12 pallets of water. Go, go take it. And then they take a victory lap. Let's dismantle this MAGA disinformation machine. We'll break it down here on the Midas Touch podcast. Then this week's boogeyman of the week, there's always a boogeyman of the week for the MAGA Republicans because they stand for nothing and fall for everything. So how are they scaring their base this week? Is it Mr. Potato Head? Mm. Is it Dr. Seuss? Is it the green M&M? Is it a new Disney movie that's too woke for them? No, it's Legos. 
Legos goes woke. Two woke Legos. And then also chat GPT uh, AI to woke as well. Chat GPT <laughs> is, uh, AI is a woke leftist plot to control people. I'm, I'm not making this up. This is what they are promoting on Fox. But with all the MAGA chaos and destruction and the media kind of buying into all the BS like they did with the red wave, the American people are smarter than this. They, they really are. And there's a reason that in these various special elections that have taken place across the country, Democrats are overperforming because the contrast between this radical, weirdo, incompetent, fascist, MAGA Republican base and Democrats just being normal could not be clearer. So let's talk about some of these special elections where Democrats have overperformed. I want to hit on that. Also, the Biden administration has implemented a plan to like do things, right? Like this week it's lowering housing costs for lower and middle income home buyers, right? Pretty, pretty normal. We're not going Legos, Legos and Dr. Seuss. And Steve Bannon is sued for not paying his legal fees by his lawyers. Folks, this is the Midas Touch podcast. I'm Ben Micellis. Joined by my brothers, Brett and Jordy Micellis. Quite the show we have for all of you today. Quite the show. I am so excited to be here. So excited to be with the Midas Mighty. Uh, yeah, you know, it goes to show you that, you know, we, we talk about the performative antics of the Republican Party a lot. But the Republican antics, while they are distractions, they are often also deadly. And we're seeing the results of these deadly distractions. And so what do they do when something deadly happens as a result of their distractions? It's pivot. It's distract more. It's what's the next thing that we could get angry about? How could we deflect blame? How could we do whatever it is to make sure that the people who are being affected by this disaster do not realize that we are the ones who caused it? Mm -hmm. So very fascinating to watch this unfold live. Um, certainly have a lot of thoughts uh, about it, which we'll get to shortly. Jordan, it reminds me of, and I want to talk about this later, the way the Republicans push the narrative of the red wave, right, is, and then the media networks like buy into the red wave, feels very similar to how they've just clearly pushed this utterly false narrative that somehow Buttigieg is to blame, and then the media cannot critically think, and so... It's incumbent on the people yes. to push back on the narrative and break it down. Jordy. Absolutely. No, Ben, you're, you're spot on, brothers. I cannot wait for tonight's show. I shaved my back right before we went into the air because I, I, it makes me a little bit more aerodynamic if you guys are going to come at me with insults like you did aerodynamic. on Aerodynamic? Yeah. Are you um, flying? I don't even understand. Basically, that. yeah. You, know, you don't know where I'm going to be. Just don't know. So I'm excited for tonight's right, show. I'm, I'm, I'm concerned now, but okay. Always, always a good show when Jordy shaves his back right before. I'm not sure if you know, our other best show was about three months ago. Jordy also shaved his back for that show. Very yeah. check the records. A little TM, a little TMI for the audience, I think, in my opinion. But but whatever you want to reveal, man. I mean, let's go go crazy. I'm an, hey, I'm an open book. Jordy is an open book. Well, let's open the book of this episode of the Midas Touch podcast, and let's start with Chapter 1, Special Counsel Jack Smith. Sometimes those transitions are so flawless that smooth, smooth. I just want to ruin the flawlessness of it by commenting on the flawlessness of it. Let me be clear. Special Counsel Jack Smith has subpoenaed 
both Ivanka Trump and Jared Kushner in connection with his criminal investigation into Donald Trump's 2020 election interference. We know that both Ivanka and Jared um, were also deposed by the January 6th committee. We've seen their deposition testimony uh, there. Um, What the January 6th committee focused on was what they saw and observed really pretty much in December um, when Ivanka stated that she was confident that Donald Trump had lost the election. And what happened on January 6th itself, you'll recall that Jared Kushner was in the Middle East trying to seal the deal on his quid pro quo with Saudi Arabia, where they gave him $2 billion to manage their sovereign wealth fund money after Trump would leave. So uh, Kushner flew back from the Middle East. I'm not sure he was doing that deal, but he definitely wasn't doing anything out there that was helpful to to our country. And that deal was announced shortly after uh, that meeting and shortly after Trump uh, left office. So I, I think I can make that connection with a fair degree of confidence. But Kushner showed back up. So he was there on January 6th. Ivanka was there in the White House. She saw Donald Trump call and threaten uh, former Vice President Mike Pence and tell him, you better object or else. Um, So she saw that call actually go down. She was there on the ellipse itself. She could see her in the tent, like when uh, Don Jr. and Gilfoyle or whatever her name is, they were dancing and celebrating some of the most dystopian. She was right at the epicenter of of everything that happened on January 6th, for sure. But here's the thing that I think Jack Smith is focused on in addition to that. Jack Smith, even more so than the January 6th committee, has been very focused on the potential financial crimes by Donald Trump. Uh, Felony campaign finance law violations, money laundering. One of the things that Trump did is he had people very close to him, which essentially it's obvious that Trump's controlling, create these middlemen organizations that basically received about $769 million. Um, And when you create these like straw men organizations or these just like kind of shell companies that receive the money, the committees have to report where the money goes. So they report that it goes to these LLCs, but then you can't see once the LLC gets it where the LLC routes all of the money. For all we know, they route it back to Trump or they're routing it back to, you know, literally, literally anywhere. (laughs) literally Literally anywhere but 769 million dollars went to these entities we know that jack smith's subpoenas not to ivanka or jared we don't know the con no one knows the content of those but in some of his others have been very much focused on the financial crimes and remember there's at least two criminal grand juries there's the one about election interference and then there's the one about trump's theft of record So I think it is within special counsel Jack Smith's purview to also, in connection with the document investigation, to say, was Trump making deals before he left the White House with foreign governments like Saudi Arabia, like Qatar, like, you know, UAE, you know, and Jared Kushner may have those answers. So I do think that could fall at the outer end of jack smith's jurisdiction um with respect to both matters and we know jack smith has been questioning people based on other reporting that's gone out about trump's 
relationships uh, and plans post-presidency with these foreign countries. So I want to add that uh, insight as well. But look, Special Counsel Jack Smith, we're going to compare it in a little bit to what is going on in Fulton County. This is textbook stuff right here by Jack Smith. This is done at the highest level. Um, you know, the expression, good things come to those who wait. There's a reason for that Ooh. sometimes. And a just a high degree of maintaining confidentiality. It's being run like the equivalent of a of a seal, like like the Navy SEALs up the, it's at the highest level. And that can be frustrating from an information gathering standpoint, but I'd rather be frustrated than perpetually let down in the final outcome. Ben, what does Jack Smith sound like? That's how tight of a that's how tight of a ship he's running. I don't know. Hey everybody, guys... I'm Jack Smith. <laughs> hey everybody, this is Jack you know Smith. There's no, there's, no, there's no shame in that game if that's his voice. I'm just saying he's running such a tight ship. Wait, wait, wait. I don't even know what the guy sounds like. You, you got to admit though. It'd be a little bit of a disappointment. Slightly, slightly, slightly. <laughs> okay. yeah. Hi, how, how you doing? It's me, Jack. <laughs> Do you guys? There, there are Jack videos. Goes, to be fair, there Jack, are videos of him speaking. If online. Jack, if Jack Smith talked like Mickey Mouse, that would be like, oh my god. <laughs> it's me, Jackie Smith. We're me. <laughs> This show has already gone off the rails. Yeah. Okay, so here, here, here's also what I want. If I could catch myself, here's also what I want. <laughs> I would like to specify that Jack Smith, this subpoena was also to call Ivanka and Jared before the criminal grand jury that is impaneled, which I think is important to note. This isn't just a, hey, come in, let's have some coffee, let's chat, one mano a mano. This is in front of the criminal grand jury, which shows how far this thing is escalating. And now, Ben, I'll do uh, the impression, maybe I'll do my Mickey Mouse voice, my impression of... Your the, Mickey Mouse is pretty good. I'm not right? going to lie. It's me. I don't even know what it is, Whoa. honestly. Whoa. But um, it, 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 I'm going to play the role of like a, a troll commenter who's commenting to when we report, uh, you know, Ivanka and Jared subpoenaed. Why now? It's too late. They're running out the clock. What are we going to do? It's running out the Trump's never going to be indicted. You're fooling yourselves. Woohoo! How do you respond to that? Wow. Wow, that's a lot to. That's a lot to. That's how. That's, that's how I read the comment. I'm just letting you know. That's how I read the troll comments when they come up. This is a diligent investigation. I share the sentiments from many people that. Um, no, I do share. Look, the, 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 there needs to be action, and there needs to be action soon. Um, but at the same time, Special Counsel Jack Smith is dotting every i and crossing every t, and making sure the way testimony is presented that not only will you get a conviction, but that on the appeals process, that convictions will not be uh, overturned. Um, and so the process is playing out the way the process should play out. Unfortunately, even though I think that there's nobody above the law, certainly former presidents have the ability to avail themselves of ways to damage our constitutional protections of the executive branch if that's the way they choose to go we always talk about things with trump being well this is unprecedented this is the first time that someone who's not in like office like this is claiming the executive privilege right now so trump's going to do whatever he can do whatever crazy insane and illegal 
uh, legal theory is out there, he will pursue and throw up those roadblocks. This is why elections ultimately have consequences. But to be very clear, we're going to talk about Fulton County in a little bit. Um, we had Michael Cohen uh, host uh, the political beatdown with me earlier in the day. Cohen said that uh, he will be showing up next week. 